0: Killed in Church of Christ. Good to see you today. How are we doing? Are you happy to be here? I'm happy. Uh, wonderful singing. thank you guys so much for meeting us in amazing praise and worship. It is a good day to be alive. it's a good day uh, to gather together as a church family. You may be wondering why in the world I am here standing next to a pile of shoes. Well, uh, there's two reasons. Number one, I had to get them out of my office because they were speaking in it pretty bad head. Uh, number two is that this is a visual representation of something amazing that is about to happen. As we've been announcing the last couple weeks, we have a ministry called Rising Star Ministries from Uganda coming to Dallas. This is a work that has been supported by the missions committee here at Skillman. It actually, we're connected by uh, Josh Schofield. He grew up in the the city of Detroit. And uh, the, uh, what's the name of the Church of Christ there? The Wayne Church of Christ. And one of his good friends ended up going and being a missionary in Uganda and starting this ministry called Rising Star. And what Rising Star does is it uses soccer, it uses athletics as a vehicle to, to communicate the gospel. To teach Christ-centered philosophies and Christ-centered life and living. And uh, as it so happens, they are doing a U.S. tour. Uh, they were just in Michigan, I think this Sunday. They're worshiping with the Plymouth Church of Christ in Detroit. And uh, they will be with us on the 29th of July. So uh, we had uh, just a random uh, soccer player, who Justin Norman, who uh, goes here. Uh, He connected us with a a kid who was looking for a service project and they came up with all these shoes that they're going to donate to these soccer players from Uganda. And uh, now this right here is meant to encourage us (laughs) because we have asked if we could have some uh, sleeping bags and mattresses to use and to borrow while they are here. And so if you could help us out in that way, if you could go through your storage area, get some sleeping bags and mattresses. Because they'll be sleeping here at the church building during the week. And there'll be some soccer games to attend. And we'll be giving you all this information. But this is just a reminder, every time you see these shoes, think to yourself. Sleeping bags and mattresses. And uh, maybe this week you can bring them by. One more announcement about VBS. Uh, I think uh, I wasn't clear enough about your need, the need for you to drink soda. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have 80 now. And we still need 400. Uh, but uh, Josh Schofield has volunteered to go. If you just don't have the time to go buy bottles, if you go just give him $1, for every dollar, he will go himself to the store and buy uh, buy bottles and bring them here. And, and I don't know if you're going to drink them, or uh, I don't know what you're going to do. He may not know. Danielle doesn't know about this yet. But uh, <laughs> uh, if you can find them for services, and if you want to, if you don't have the time to have the resources... He's accepting dollar bills, and he will go to the store on behalf of his church and buy these bottles so that the kids can have their BBS crack. It's all for the kids, right? It's all for the kids. <laughs> if you have your Bibles today, Ephesians is where we'll be uh, working. We are on this in this series in the book of Ephesians. Each week we've been talking about a new chapter, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2. Today we are talking about the third chapter of Ephesians. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to this chapter today. If you uh, read the literature about the book of Ephesians, and most of the scholars, the theologians, they believe that Ephesians is divided into two different sections, two different parts. In fact, the first part of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3. And then the second part, it shifts in tone and in emphasis. The second part is Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Two different groups, three chapters each. And if you look at the literature and and the studies that really dive into this book, you can see that the first section of Ephesians deals more with the theological concepts that we share and we believe as Christians. It talks about belief, doctrine. Theological truths. It's it's very out there. It's it's very uh, in your your brain, in your heart kind of an emphasis where we're talking about theological concepts, beliefs, and doctrine. Then there's a shift because beginning in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul shifts the thinking from grand off theological ideas out there in the concept and he brings it home to tangible ways that we as Christians, that we as a community can grow together and and that live out what this faith is talking about, to live out these theological truths. And so, yeah, the first part that talks about what you believe and what the theological truths are, the doctrine, and the second part is like, well, how can we make this work in our everyday life? How can we live this? How can we walk this on a daily basis, and how can we do it together? And truly, in these first three chapters, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, if Paul is really saying what he is saying, and if what he is saying is true, then the good news really is good news. I mean, this is fantastic. I don't know if you've been enjoying these these chapters in Ephesians, but the truths that he says... They, they're absolutely breathtaking and mind blowing. I mean, just here, there's a list of things that we have covered in the past two weeks. That not only that we, as a family of God, we have been chosen by God through the work of Christ, in chapter 1, verse 4. Not only that, but we have been adopted as sons and daughters of God, Ephesians 1, chapter 5. We have been, as a community of faith, redeemed, forgiven by Christ's. Blood, we are clean in the eyes of God. Ephesians 1, chapter 7. We were dead in our transgressions, but we have been made alive because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, chapter 4. We are called God's masterpiece. Beautiful imagery, a masterpiece, and we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. To do good works, Ephesians 2, chapter 10. And then in Ephesians 2, chapter 9, it says that we are recipients of this salvation, not by our works, so that no one can boast. We cannot earn this. This is a gift. This is something that was lavished upon us. This is a story that we are celebrating today. It's not a story of transaction, where we had to do something in a checklist so that God contractually would have to, you know, follow through with his end of the bargain. And, you know, led us into this this, this, uh, this gospel of life. This is a story of transformation. It's a story that's rooted in love, where God has lavished upon us the riches of grace according to his pleasure. And even at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul Because all these things are just so unbelievable. If you really think about it, how how amazing these gifts and riches are. Paul even goes on at the beginning of chapter 3 and says, listen, I am proof of this. Do you know who I was before Christ grabbed a hold of my heart? I used to be a murderer. I used to be the worst of the worst. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, look at what this has done in my life. Look at the transformative effect of this gospel. And if you were like me, and like many other people, you look at the list of these amazing things that are before us, and you begin to think, is this is this really possible? Like, this idea of grace, like, to, to receive something that we don't even deserve, without even having to, to work for it, or, or having to... Prove our worth in order to receive it? Is it really true that we have been been called the masterpiece of God? A masterpiece. Something that he is proud of and something that rooted in love. We are here because of, of his pleasure to do his good works. And I think Paul, when he is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, I think he can probably sense That this really is too amazing. This is unbelievable. And there are part of us. Part of our souls that can probably doubt. That this is even true. And so before. He shifts over. Into chapter 4. Verse 1. When he begins to talk about how we live. And how this can play out in our everyday life. What Paul does. Is he pauses. And almost as if. It is a song. In the midst of a letter He writes these words Can we hear the song? That is a word. we This is called a doxology. It's almost like in the middle of the letter he pauses to really remind us how amazing this truly is. Now to him who is able to do and measure more than we could ever ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. He pauses right then and there with his doxology to remind us what kind of God that we are here to serve. What kind of God we are here to honor. Our God, our Father. The New King James, I love how it translates. it. The New King James translates this as exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. The New Living Translation translates this as infinitively more than we might ask or think. The message by Eugene Peterson says, This is far more than we can ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. This is our God. This is our Father. This is the God that we have come to celebrate today. This is the God that we sing to. This is the God that we pray to. This is the God that has a plan. And we are a part of this amazing story. We are called His masterpiece. And here's the point. You see these words that are used exceedingly. infinitively infinitively more, immeasurably more. These are amazing words that speak of creativity and amazing things that we can't even imagine or grasp. Yet, if we were to be truly honest, if we were to be truly honest about the conversations that we have as a church family, the plans that we make, the dreams and the hope The hopes that we have, I think, if we're truly honest, I would say that many times our dreams and hopes and plans are not based on these amazing words, but are more based in a a stance of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. I mean, what do you think? What do you guys think about this? Is is this something that that I'm on the right track on? In our plans, the church family, when we talk about our dreams and hopes. Our desires and dreams? Do we begin out of a posture of just a creativity and abundance? Or do we start out of a posture of fear, of scarcity? Are we dreaming enough as a church body? Are we risking enough? Are we imagining what church could be? Are we imagining what God can do with each and every one of us? Or... Are we instead just bracing ourselves for another conflict, or another tragedy, or another thing that could go wrong, or another controversy? Are we living out this gospel as a community? Are we living out this gospel with a posture of abundance, of creativity, of innovation? Or are we living it out, making decisions Trying to live our day-to-day life out of a posture of fear, anxiety, scarcity, and trepidation. And this is a question, I don't know if I have the answer, but you know, my job is to ask questions and to let us think about it. And we all have seen things in life where people who have great potential and great great hopes and dreams, they become stifled because of the fear and anxiety. As a parent, I know that we see it sometimes where we see the potential of our, our child, and then. When they are put in a situation, their fear and anxiety prevents them from really living out what they can truly accomplish. You know, for example, uh, my son, Case, who is there right now, I told, I told him, I asked his permission, and he told me yes. But well, he is a fantastic soccer player. Fantastic soccer player. He is eight years old, and he always plays with his older brother. And he's been a very aggressive soccer player, where he's almost like a bull in a china closet where he will attack the person. Well, he's body he uses his body well, he's very aggressive, he uses his speed. Well, last year we decided to put him in a soccer league here at the Lake Highlands uh, Soccer Association. And they put him on rent team. And so he's there and I at the very first practice with this new team. And I'm sitting there as a dad just watching and I know he's gonna wow them. You know, I'm not biased at all. But I know that he is just gonna just amaze them and, and uh, he's going to just blow them all away. And so you know, he's a very aggressive player because he's the youngest when he plays. And so the very first play, was it was at five seconds into this practice where he is uh, the, the best player who's the oldest player. He has the ball. And Case runs over to try to, to tackle uh, the ball and, and take the ball away from him. And he's a little too aggressive and ends up tripping this player. And this player falls right on his face. And he's the biggest player and the strongest. And this player sits there and he starts to cry. And he was a little bit of a baby, I have to say this. The following is too bad. I just have to say this. And he starts to cry and he gets up and he gets mad at Case and starts yelling at Case. And, and uh, Case, this is his first five seconds in soccer in the United States. And he's like, wow, is this is how it works, you know? And uh, it changed the whole season from him because uh, we would go to games from here on out and Case wouldn't try at all. He was so scared. He was so anxious that he would make another kid trip that he wouldn't even go near the ball. And so we'd go to these game after game after game and Tara and I, parents, would be on the bench and we'd be yelling, get him, tackle him. Said. But there was a sense of fear, anxiety that had just taken over his heart and prevented him from really living out his, his potential as a soccer player. Now, granted, he's eight years old, so the stakes aren't too high here. So, uh, but it's an example of a time where fear, anxiety controls what we do as people or as, as a body. Are we letting fear? anxiety. Are we letting the potential for something to go wrong affect who we are, affect our dreams, affect our hopes, affect what we want to start as a body, what we want to be involved in? Are we bracing ourselves for the next controversy or the next thing to go wrong instead of trusting in this God who is more amazing, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? Are we dreaming as a community big enough? Are we dreaming? Are we we courageous enough with these dreams? We're putting faith in God in this way. The second thing I I do want to say, and this is preparing for this message, reading this text. This message came to my heart to share with you all as individuals (laughs) that I don't know why, (laughs) but maybe someone here today needs to hear this um, as I'm preparing for this message. It has to do with this very verse about really believing in this God who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. This text text says that in our very hearts that Christ is working within us. That there is something right now within you, this power of God that is working in your soul. Scripture is very clear about this. And I know I'm probably not the only one here, but there may be people out here Who have ideas, who have notions, who have urges, who have promptings of the spirit that you are not acting upon because you can't see how it's going to come out, that you don't feel ready, that you don't have the resources. There may be something that God has put on your heart right now that you have been holding back because you don't know what's going to happen, or you may be a little bit anxious it could be a, a book or starting a blog or a nonprofit, or something, a project within the church. There's something that you have within your heart. And the question is, Are do you believe in this God enough to take that leap? I don't know why God put this message on my heart. But the message is, based on this text, just do it. Just start. Show trust that God is. That Jesus is resourceful. There's another story in Scripture about Jesus multiplying the five loaves and the the two fish. Take the five loaves, take your two fish, start scattering it out, and see what God can do. And trust that this God, who is more amazing and measured than what we could ever ask or imagine, will take this and make something beautiful out of it. It may not be what you imagine, it may be full of. Uh, uh, more conflicts or curveballs. It may not be what you hope to be, but God can do great things through you, whatever that is in your heart. Just start. Just do it and trust that this God that we have come together to honor today can do amazing things, immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. Each Sunday, we do offer an invitation, an invitation to pray for you, to pray for you if you have... An issue in your life or a, a pain. As a, as a body of believers, we are committed to walking alongside you in every way we can, and we will have elders on the side, and I'll be up front. If there's anything that you would like to pray about as well. Secondly, we offer an invitation for anyone who wants to become a disciple of God, who wants to be in Christ, and we, as a as a community of faith, you know, we believe in the power of baptism and what it can do to change. Our everyday lives. This is a story of transformation, and as we go into chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, as Jake brings us the message next week about how we can live out this faith. The question is: These Theological truths. Do we truly believe in this God? Do we truly believe that God can do what He says He can do? And if we do, it really is breathtaking. Why don't you come and let's glorify this God, all together we stand and we sing.